You are listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe and click the bell icon on YouTube so you can get notified every Tuesday when we upload a new episode. You can also add us on Facebook and Instagram at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. All right, we are live with episode 36. Uh, Oh, shit. Yeah, this one's going to be a little bit different than our typical, you know, structure where we have a new nutrition Mm -hmm. in the news and then a topic. So this is kind of an entire episode dedicated to new nutrition in the news. So we're going to be talking about the new Curbo app by WW Weight Watchers. I don't even know what to call them anymore. And the new documentary, uh, Fattopia. <laughs> be prepared. Strap into your seat. If you have a seatbelt, put that on. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're driving, you should have it on anyways. Please just double check. <laughs> so with that being said, let's kind of dive into, first off, we're not going to have any new nutrition in the news because these both... Nice. Yeah, this is the news. So with that being said, let's jump into Kerbo. So for those of you that don't know what Kerbo is or how it started about, it started off with a mom. Her name is Joanna Strober, being very concerned about her son when she took him to the doctor's office and they said his BMI was too high and he might not be able to outgrow it. And with that being said, she flicked out. And of course, I'm being biased right now. Um, she freaked out and started researching weight loss methods for fed for for kids. Which why would you? Um, what, we'll go into opinions later. But she started searching weight loss uh, programs for kids, and she found out there was no no solution to her, her problem. So she decided to create her own solution. And with that being said, she teamed up with this other person named Thea Runyon. Runyon. Uh, She is a lead behavior coach at the Stanford's Pediatric Weight Control Program. And with that, with those two people in charge, they launched Kobo. And so apparently Stanford is supposed to have really proven research and have excellent results with kids. With that being said, the first, I guess, person to use this COBRA program was Joanna's kid. And apparently he's lost 18 pounds and has been healthy ever since. But COBRA didn't actually, the COBRA that we know now didn't actually launch until last year when they partnered with WW, aka Weight Watchers, for one common purpose of to inspire healthy habits for life for people, families, communities, the world, and for everyone. Okay. So, what I, a beautiful story. I almost cried. <laughs> but with that being said, so apparently this is Weight Watchers' second attempt to lure in kids and teenagers. Originally, it was geared towards adults, and it was supposed to be free for people who are 13 and 17. So eventually, not surprisingly, this sparked a huge outrage across everybody. If you haven't seen a news article by now, I'm surprised because Kerbo is all over the place. So Kerbo is not like the Weight Watchers that we know today. Weight Watchers itself basically assigns specific points to different types of foods. So bad foods get more points and better foods get less points. So that's what we know. Kerbo is is problematic of Weight Watchers itself to assign good and bad and 
my my issue with Weight Watchers is that people learned how to manipulate the point system versus actually learning how right. to eat healthy. So, but apparently Weight Watchers redesigned themselves and now they're WW. They're still Weight Watchers, but whatever. So with that being said, Kobo actually goes completely different. It relies on the red light, green light system. So as we all know, green means go, red means stop, yellow means eh. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's all right. Caution. Proceed with caution. So I actually do want to point out real quick, uh, a couple of years ago, I looked at a couple of studies that dealt with this specific design, and they found that it wasn't as, it was slightly more effective, but not anything too big on the screen light, red light system. More but effective than what? Just not putting it. Oh, okay. Versus nothing. Versus nothing. So people just kind of looked at the red light and were like, well, whatever. So they didn't do too much. So, Hmm. I mean, that's what it does. So basically what happens when you go into this app. So you download the app. It's going to ask for your height, weight, and age. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, then they'll ask the goals. So the goal is to lose weight. Make parents happy, which I hate. I hate that phrase. Make parents happy and boost confidence. Yeah, that one. Yeah, boost confidence. Like, what? And apparently, according to this article, this guy had decided to put himself as a five foot five inch thirteen year old who weighs ninety pounds, and which would classify him as underweight on the body mass index chart mm-hmm. and the Kobo still allowed him to sign up and set a goal to lose weight. So can we see the problem already? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with that I, being, I made the app myself just out of curiosity and I put my same height and weight, but I made myself like 13 or 14, just like out of curiosity and I was shocked that like build confidence was one of the options. What does that mean? Right. Like, I don't know. It was very strange. It's just lose weight, but fluffier. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, you can tell it already has a lot of problematic issues as it is, and it's already facing a whole bunch of backlash, which not surprising. Weight Watchers is a very big program. And, like, even hashtags like Kobo Kills, Wake Up Weight Watchers, and Love Not Diets came about. And even a petition came about on change.org where tens of thousands of people have already signed up as calling this dangerous, irresponsible, and immoral. Like, they want the system gone. I mean, even a doctor of neuroscience in the Mount Sinai School of Medicine even said that Yes, we do need to teach children healthy eating habits and nutritious food food ideas. Like the idea is great, but it's very, very dangerous to mention weight in general, especially when they put success stories of kids who's lost weight, even as young as eight years old. That's just beyond me. It just didn't look, it, it wasn't right. Like it looks weird, you know? I just... I don't know. I'm just, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I wasn't born now to have this come about because all the kids are involved with technology nowadays versus us where we didn't, we were like, go outside. I'm like, okay. Exactly. Go play red light, green light. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> and and even the National Eating Disorder Association even commented on this and said mm. that they can see a huge problem with this, that it can include a greater risk of eating disorders, disordered eating, and just a potential lifetime of just weight cycling and poor body image. Because this is a new program. You don't know what the long-lasting effects of it is. I mean, yeah. to introduce weight into their lives when they should be focusing on other things is is just very risky and it can lead to them suffering from an eating disorder such as anorexia, atypical anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, and other eating disorders that we can't really name right now. Um, So I just, and it also relies on the fact that kids have to track the food themselves, which I don't want to do that when I'm eight. And like the the problem that I have with that point is that like the number one indicator of a child becoming obese is if their parents are obese and kids have very little control over what food is provided in the house of course course they can ask for certain things but very little and just because they ask doesn't even mean they're gonna get it like what eight-year-old is gonna say hey mom I want more vegetables it's probably not gonna happen you know Healthy eating behaviors are learned. We don't necessarily inherently have them, and the schools definitely aren't helping. So it's just a big issue. You're right. It's a big issue. I mean, like, they do have the option of the parents, like, looking after the kid that's on Cobra as well. But like I said, they don't have the option to choose what they eat. They don't have a job. They don't buy the food themselves. It's just. It's just, I mean, I went through this like a disordered pattern of eating um, just from my dad patting my stomach and saying, hey, getting a little big there. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? I mean, so I can only imagine what this is telling kids. Yeah. So. Yeah. Problematic and. Heavy topic. Heavy topic, definitely. And childhood obesity is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And something needs to be done. And I just don't think this is it. No. I'm not quite sure what needs to be done. There's so many different, you know, I feel organizations like... and, you know, advertisements and things like that. But I'm, I'm not sure what, what needs to be done. But I do know that kids learn behaviors from the people they're around so you know just because I don't think the government necessarily needs to do something I think we need to start with at home I'm not sure that this app is the right at home thing though no and let's not forget that a lot of I was gonna say that one of the co-founders of Weight Watchers happens to be a thin white male. So <laughs> FYI. <laughs> Refer back to our thin white male episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is another problem within itself. Mm-hmm. And the whole, let's just get to like the nutrition side of things with the whole green light, red light, yellow light system. Sound that effective. Huh? It's not that effective. Right. It's not that effective. And like second, 
second, it certain foods, like if you go around and like just search certain foods, like nuts are considered a yellow light. Milk is considered a yellow light. And it's just like, but those are nutrient dense foods. Yes, they're higher in calories, but if you start teaching kids like, okay, this could be bad, they're gonna take that with them for a long time. And that's how eating disorders start because then they become adults and they start receiving things and then that just snowballs. And I I was playing around in the app. Uh, So yogurt is considered a red food. What? Um, What? Yeah. What if Um, you get Oikos 15 grams of protein? (laughs) And then what I was happy to see was that all juice, like orange juice, pineapple juice, grape juice, cranberry juice, was all red, which is kind of a good thing, I think, because the sugar and stuff, like right. trying to send that mess. But not all juice, like you can get decent juice. Right. If you look on my phone, all right. the juices were were red, which I think is the only like helpful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, potatoes were a yellow food. Mashed potatoes were a red food. Beans. Beans are a yellow food. What? Why should we be limiting beans? Um, That's not going to go well if you're Hispanic. <laughs> and some some rice was... Um, some rice was yellow. Some rice was red. Okay, so the only milk that was green was uh, non-fat or skim milk. Mm-hmm. But then soy milk was red. What? Rice milk was red. Yeah. Kind of kind of strange. What? Yeah. Why are they basing the I don't really understand. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They already gives off the stigma like these foods are that bad and oh. these foods are good. And oh. that's not what we want to teach them at all. So nuts are bad, but almonds are decent. What the f- like nuts are red, almonds are yellow. They need to revamp this entire program. Right. Entirely. Okay. It creates, you know, I could just see a kid seeing that and being like, oh my gosh, almonds are all I can eat, but I can't eat them that much. But then if they see something like a Brazil nut, they're going to be like, oh no, I can't have that. And it's like, well, you can. A peanut, you can't, unless you have an allergy, of course. Right. A cashew or anything. like. There's another underlying issue with this app in itself. And it's not necessarily what's in the app. It's the app itself. See, not every kid is going to have access to unlimited internet, unlimited, like, not every kid is going to have a phone. Not every kid is going to have that Wi-Fi. So Mm -hmm. that's already putting those kids at a disadvantage. And, like, not everyone... When you're trying to teach kids how to eat healthier, this is not the way to go. You need to reach it's not, in. It's not necessarily inclusive because the... Yeah, it's not reaching them. ...tend to not have internet access. Right, and like... They tend to be more obese. So. Right, and I mean, if they have this program offered at school, like a 30-minute, like... Mm-hmm. These are the different types of food. Let's talk about them. Let's learn about them. I feel like that would be way more effective than having an app about the, like green light. That's just yeah. me because everybody has to go to school. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody. Even if it was the same type of system, it would just be more. Because, right, you're excluding everyone who doesn't have a smartphone and internet access. Mm-hmm. And yes, most of us do, but not all of us do. No. And the ones that don't have a much higher chance of having obesity be a, be an issue. So. so, and plus, not all, not obese kids aren't the only kids that need to be educated on nutrition too. Exactly. Just FYI. Everybody needs nutrition. You could be eating, you could be thin and eating flaming hot Cheetos and oh, still yeah. be okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So. And that's a huge point. We all need more nutrition education. Even you and I, we, we need to like always keep learning. And always. so yeah, good point that it's targeted towards p- kids who are overweight. And the other thing too, is that the percentiles when it comes to overweight, like kids being overweight, they're not really that helpful. Nope. So it's like, who said you were overweight? You know? The doctors. All the doctors. Exactly. And the doctors are just saying what they're supposed to say because they have to, otherwise they'll get sued. Right. But it's like, there could be a kid who, like, is normal weight, whatever, but is huffing and puffing when they run. There could mm-hmm. be a kid who, who looks a little overweight, you know, could be questionable, and they're perfectly fine. They can run yeah. the mile, like, no issue. So should that kid who can perform, like, at where they're supposed to be put on a diet no. versus no. the other kid like and everybody's body is so different it's really hard to just mm-hmm. subject people just to their weight mm-hmm. and their bmi it's exactly. really hard to do that exactly so clearly we're not in support of this app <laughs> <laughs> it's clear that obesity needs to be and maybe this app will work for a couple kids i sincerely hope it does and i hope it doesn't create more problems um we'll see i hope that you know parents who introduce this to their kids try to reinforce you know nutrition aside from this too and don't tell their kids like oh it's a red food never eat it so no no we'll see We always know when you tell people what not to do, they just want to do it even more. Yeah. Kids are like the worst offenders of that too. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we'll see. Right. You know, make updates to it and change some of those food groupings and time will tell. Right. So that leads us into the next heavy topic of this week which is the documentary Fatopia. So it came out earlier in August. It is on Prime Video. So if you're a mm-hmm. Prime member, you can watch it for free. I'm not sure how much it costs otherwise. I don't believe it's on Netflix. No, it's not. It's not on Hulu either. Not on Hulu. I don't know if it will be. But as of right now, it's on Prime Video. And this is the kind of description for it. In an era of activism, filmmaker Connor Luke Simpson ent- Simpson yeah enters the world of fat acceptance, a proactive social movement that is seeking to change the negative perception of obesity. Is everything we know about obesity wrong, or will this movement just become a footnote in the history books? 
It is an hour and seven minutes long. Um, I watched it three times. <laughs> I only watched it one and a half. <laughs> I I just wanted to really, because, you know, the first time you watch something, you form your initial opinion, and I wanted to watch it multiple times to really, like, get a, it a personal opinion about it and then view it, try to view it from the opposing side of view. So took a lot of notes. We'll see how this goes. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to, if you haven't watched it, we're going to give a little synopsis of it. So mm-hmm. if you don't want spoilers, stop listening, I guess. <laughs> and then we're just going to kind of insert our thoughts as we go along. Mm-hmm. Um, but the documentary starts off with describing obesity's role in history And kind of what I mean by that is obesity used to be considered a form of like wealth and prosperity. Only those who were extremely wealthy were, you know, overweight, pretty much because they had more money to buy food. So they gained more weight. If you Mm -hmm. were thin, you were typically, you know, maybe a lower class because you didn't have unlimited access to food because your money was restricted. Um, So... Technically, having stereotypes against size is nothing new. You know, this goes back to like centuries ago where if you were overweight, you were of a higher class. So, again, humans forming stereotypes is nothing new. It's Mm -hmm. just centuries ago, the stereotype against obese people was more positive. Now, the stereotype is definitely negative. Like, there's no there's no arguing that the stereotype against obese and fat people is very, very, very negative. So after it describes obesity's role in like centuries ago history, it comes to a little bit um, more recent times. So it's a clip, a media clip from 1967 that is recording on fat protesters. So this media clip comes from New York and basically, these protesters were trying to raise awareness about discrimination and reduce the bias associated with being fat. There are clips of women saying that they've been verbally attacked for being fat, and they want to address myths like uh, fat people are slobs, dirty, dumb, lazy, stupid. And my opinion, yes, it, those are myths, and it's not okay for people nope. to make those assumptions. Like. It's not okay to think that fat people are dumb because they could be freaking brainiacs in like any field, you know, they could be pros at like history, art, music, painting, like it's Mm -hmm. not okay. Granted, the nutrition education might not be where it's supposed to, but that does not mean that they are dumb at all. And I have seen, you know, people on the internet say, you know, you dumb, lazy, whatever. And it, it can be mean. And th- that is not okay. Mm-mm. It's not okay to assume that they're stupid, slobs, dirty. It's just not okay. So, yes, these are myths. I personally believe that these myths are, you know, they're out there. I see it on the internet. And it's not okay. And that's still going on today. And this was said from a clip from 19. 19- 67 so this fat acceptance is nothing new um but I do want to just talk on 
you know, this movement didn't get quite as far as other movements like the women's rights movements and the civil rights movements. And I think this is because you can't change your gender, really. You can't really change your race, but you can change your weight. Granted, I the playing field when it comes to losing weight is not level. We just mentioned this a little bit before with the app thing. Lower incomes tend to be more overweight. People who are uneducated, not dumb, uneducated, like college level education tend to be more overweight. Again, education is not always in line with, you know, IQ or whatever. So not saying because you're uneducated, you're dumb, but the playing field is not level. So this is part of why obesity is an issue. So this makes it tricky. So because the playing field isn't level, should we really judge people based off of it? It's tough. And from a health perspective, I don't think it's okay to accept obesity, but I do think we need to change the system to level the playing field. Right. I mean, like, you're right in regards to that. Like, not everyone goes throughout life the same. Never, ever, ever is that going to happen. I know speaking to another person um, who came from another country, who was very poor, uh, didn't have that much food, in his life and then came to America and then all of a sudden started eating everything and he became obese. But because of what he went through as a child, um, not having access to food and then coming to America and having all this access to food, he got obese, which as you can tell, takes a huge psychological um, toll on him. So that is definitely, you can't equate the same person to another person that grew up in a regular I guess a regular household in America. I mean, everyone obese in America in America is not. They didn't have the same access. They didn't have the same experiences. So it's just the system in which we kind of address this. Yeah. I don't. I don't. It's I don't know a, how. It's a heavy topic. Yeah. It's yeah. a heavy topic. Um, but I get what you're saying, and. It, you know, coming, I'm from America. I've never been to a, you know, third world country or anything, but I can only imagine that if you grew up in a very scarce area and then you come to America and you can get, you know, hamburgers for a dollar, right? your body or you, is biologically you, you going know. to want to overeat. It's not, you know, I, I mean, it's, like, I went through a similar thing as a kid. I mean, my parents were out of jobs for a couple of years, and I remember those couple of years. We didn't have the greatest access to food at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we would, for heat, we would sit by the fireplace. For coldness, we would go down to the ba- basement, and then we would only eat lentils, and that was about it. And then as soon as we got access again, I started going nuts with the food. So it just, I mean, it's just it's just different. It's and it's yeah. not right to think be, that obesity happens because they're lazy, because they have that choice, and because they're stupid. It's just, and I don't even understand where the terminology "dirty" came from. Like, how can I they know. be? Yeah, yeah. I will but, say, I will say that, like, in terms of obesity, 
in trying to relate that to women's movements and civil rights movements, I feel like they're not equal. They're not made equal whatsoever. And like, granted, we talk about thin white males. Um, them being white is not the issue. It's the privilege that comes with it. Right. But race in itself is an entirely different subject in that you're right. You can't change the race that you are. You can't change how you're born or anything. You can't. Right. Right. It just, I don't know. That's so like, I mean, we'll talk about this more later when I see some activists talking about, oh, you're just, uh, you're just a uh, thin white person. You wouldn't understand. I'm like, I don't get why you, like, I get why you point out the race, but at the same time, I just, I right. also don't, like, I get the privilege part of it, but I also don't get. Right. Right. And this kind of topic will pop up as we progress through the documentary. So after the the clips are shown of kind of the fat acceptance movement in the past, it says, you know, social media has really kickstarted this movement again and given fat activists a platform. And these, like this group calls themselves fat activists. I'm not labeling them as that. Like that's right. what they, that's what they have called themselves. Um, so Connor, who is the main I don't know, host of the, of the film. The director. Director. I, is he the director? I didn't think he was. He's, the a, he's a director and director? he likes to okay. film himself. So. Okay. Okay. So Connor, the director, uh, he reached out to many fat activists on social media, including Tess Holiday. Uh, he says that many declined and he did speak to one. And in the in the documentary, uh, the timestamp is at 1629. If you want to, watch that I have this this interview like I lost my fucking mind like (laughs) I couldn't it it was so from both ends like and I don't know if it was like an editing style and like it may have been you know sometimes it's hard to the interview very well could have been 20 minutes long, but it was really only like a minute and a half in the documentary. So I'm not sure what pieces I'm, I missed out on, but oh my gosh, this interview just from both sides, from, from Connor, I was confused. And from the woman he was interviewing, I was confused and just cringeworthy. Like he would ask a question like, um, what do you, do you understand that obesity has health indications? And she goes, well, do you understand that we are, you know, attacked on a daily basis? Like kind of things like that. Like Like, they don't address each other at all. It's a, like, there's a correct way to have a argument or a debate. And then there are just ways that you're just like, boom, 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 just almost like fighting each other. And Mm -hmm. this sounded like an argument to me. Like no one really raised their voice and got like, he actually, she personally attacked him. She said like, you don't have the right to talk about this because you're a cis white male. Then cis, cis, like, yeah. So she says, you know, this is not your story to tell. And like, we will get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But she personally attacked him, said, you know, that was kind of a attack at him. But basically, 
the there's so many like logical fallacies in how this argument or this debate progressed Mm -hmm. like the one that comes to mind is if you're familiar with logical fallacies there's called a red herring fallacy and it's basically you distract the argument typically with statements that are relevant but not necessarily on topic kind of like when he asked do you understand that like obesity is linked to poor health and she picked on that word understand and turned it against him and said, well, do you understand what we go through on a daily basis because we're fat and people judge us? It's like, whoa, can we have like a logical argument here? Oh man. The way he phrased the questions too, I was just kind of like, um, that could have been asked a lot better. It, it was definitely, uh, it is to entice something out of her that it it shouldn't have. Yes. And that may have very well been a, you know, director's choice because he wanted to kind of ignite that frustration from her. Um, And he got it, you know. So again, I don't know how long the original interview was. I feel like there was a lot of cut and paste because I doubt the interview was a minute and 30 seconds long. I doubt it. Right. So... And then that interview, it just, it drove me nuts. And then I want to say real quick, he went on to point out how all the activists decided to put X's across his face and call him, um, like, he basically turned part of the documentary into, like, look at what they're doing to me. Yes. And I did not like that whatsoever. Like, this is not about you. This is about the actual concept of obesity. It's not about you or that fact. I don't know. Yeah. Which leads into another point. Many fat activists did not choose to speak with him. Mm -mm. And he says that he was trying to get both sides, which I appreciate. You know, he got the side of, you know, doctors and um, someone who runs uh, a news uh, uh, newspaper or something like that but he tried to he tried to hear from both sides you know the help side and then the activist side and according to him a lot of activists declined you know an interview and that's yeah. really unfortunate because I I would have really liked to hear more of what they had to say right and I think he emphasized that so much to to create the narrative that these people are illogical. Right. And the documentary definitely presents that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the documentary is a good, uh, a good representation of how this movement is actually going on on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the dirty underbelly. And right. he chose the most extreme sometimes uh you know shake your head moments of people and there's ridiculous people in all movements mm-hmm. you know so i do think that he just kind of cherry picked some of the most obnoxious ones um right. and just compiled them uh so then he could not speak to tests for this uh documentary so he chose to speak to another plus size model and yeah well technically she is plus like not the plus that Tess is but technically she is a anyone who's above a size four is like considered a plus size model 
which is insane, which is a different problem within itself. I'm a plus size model. Exactly. If we, if we were going to model, I'm taking offers. We would be plus size (laughs) models, which is a completely separate like issue. And then it's the whole argument of, you know, this uh, supermodel that he spoke to was kind of arguing like, well, she's not a supermodel because to be a supermodel, you have to be five, eight and above test mm-hmm. is five, three. Mm-hmm. Technically we couldn't be models either. So is that discrimination? Damn. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But, so, but the point is like Tess actually is regardless of what the agencies say, she is modeling. She is on magazine cover. She is doing, you know, mm-hmm. modeling shows and catwalks and things. So did the agencies make an exception for her because of her weight or were they including her? If they include her for her weight, should they include us for our height? Ooh. You know, it's right. It's weird. Right. So, you know, let's be inclusive. Let's also note that they, Victoria's Secret only included the plus size model after Tess Holiday came about too. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to be inclusive, models should be all shapes and sizes, even right. our shape and size. Because mm-hmm. we're not a model shape. <laughs> no. We're not obese, but we're not the model shape either. So, <laughs> we're regular shape. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he actually did get another interview. Um, I, I really enjoyed this interview with this other woman. Uh, she made an extremely good point. She basically mm-hmm. felt, says, We need to love ourselves with where we're at. And mm-hmm. that is the key. And if that is all that the fat acceptance movement stood for, I would be fucking thrilled and like I'd be out there with them and like. Right. But there's more to it. Uh, so she basically was saying, like, you have to love yourself with where you're at now, whether you want to lose weight or whatever. Because if you're not happy with yourself where you're at right now, you're not going to be happy with yourself with where you're going to be. Right. And that is so 1000% true. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that. I've worked with clients who've experienced that. I One client comes out to my mind in particular, you know, she wanted to lose 70 pounds. She did. And a lot of the, she did gain, gain some weight back. And the reason was, is because when she got to her goal weight, she wasn't happy. She mm-hmm. looked in the mirror and she's like, I don't like what I see even now. And right. you know, we had to reevaluate and be like, okay, well, what is it that you actually want? So she wasn't happy with herself when she started. So she wasn't happy with herself when she got to where she thought she needed to go. So when that happens, it goes beyond just weight. It goes way beyond weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, my personal experience with that was the show I did. I thought, oh, yeah, when I get down to, you know, this um, bikini body, whatever, for the show, that's when I'm going to really be proud of myself. And I got to that, you know, look, and I'm like, I look like a 12-year-old boy. Like, I'm still not happy <laughs> with myself. Like, what the heck? So it's, it's a battle. So she hit the nail right on the head you need to love yourself with where you're at. And I'm hope that that is kind of what more of the fat, fat acceptance movement body positive has at the root of it. Mm -hmm. Weight does not equal happiness period. Period. Like ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. So I really liked that uh, interview with her. 
And just a little bit more of my, you know, as the film progresses, Connor states this, and this is where I start to agree. Mm-hmm. The fat acceptance movement, at least from the people that he chose to show, cannot create a rational argument for the health aspect of obesity. This is true. They even attacked the Cancer Society when the Cancer Society released a campaign stating that obesity is the second controllable killer of society. So basically that means, you know, smoking is the number one preventable because mm-hmm. you don't have to smoke. Right. So smoking is the number one preventable killer. Obesity is the uh, second preventable killer. And that was research done by Cancer Society. Right. I mean, I don't have issues with the Cancer Society coming out with that because that's not the first time I've heard about it. It's just the campaign. Mm-hmm. The way the campaign was launched in the United Kingdom was a little bit like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, they did the exact same, like, warning label that right. you would see on a right. pack of cigarettes, and they put, right. like, obesity right there, and I'm just like, right. yeah, okay. You open it up, and it had, like, obesity in the cigarette case, yeah. and the thing is, you know... It's this, a really fine line when, it, when we're talking about the, this. The thing is, you know, some, like, this... This documentary is very extreme, but look, mm-hmm. it got people talking. It got people thinking about it. That's the whole point of it. Exactly. So only kind of extreme measures tend to get the needle moving on either side, but mm-hmm. there are dangers that come along with that. Mm-hmm. So it can send the wrong message super, super easy. And it can make people feel really bad about themselves. And, um, Let me pull up my notes because, okay. So at the end, he has little um, facts stating, uh, since produced, 2.3 million people have died as a result of being overweight or obese. So over 660, 100,000 have taken their own lives. And it is not clear how many of these are due to like obesity or mental health associated with weight. Okay, that was an unnecessary statement. I don't think that this documentary helps, though. Nope. Like, if it, if you're willing to say that people are willing to take their own lives due to their weight and the judgments that society placed on them, why would a documentary that, you know, kind of would make them feel bad help no this documentary does not motivate anybody to lose weight and i don't think that was a point granted but i think that should have been emphasized a little bit differently it just made me feel more frustrated than anything again you know i do think things like this are necessary because it gets the people going it gets people talking about it it gets people thinking about it Right. But it does add a little bit of fuel to a weird right. fire. I just, um, like, like yes, you can't really argue obesity's role in increasing the risk for certain diseases. Mm-hmm. Like, never, ever will I say that obesity itself directly causes this type of cancer, this type of diabetes, this type of heart disease. It will never, ever do that. It will definitely research time and time has shown us that will increase the risk 
I mean, take for example, my sister, she's technically considered obese, but she's metabolically healthy. She has no issues. Mm -hmm. I just like, there are people out there like that. That's, I just feel like the way he presented it made it seem like such a cutthroat, like obesity directly causes all this. Increases. It may have been a little bit of a scare tactic, just people motivated, maybe not motivated, but scared. Um, so definitely not motivational by any means. Um, but it also raises the question of, you know, if someone is obese and it increases the risk, if they weren't obese, like, what does that risk look like? Right. So. I mean, like I said, we could be thin and still eat like shit. Yeah. So. I did watch a very interesting, um, video on YouTube of someone kind of dissecting this um, documentary as well. And she made a really, really good point. So Mm -hmm. she said, you know, imagine someone is going to donate one of their kidneys. Mm -hmm. You know, the doctor has to go through a list of, you know, checks to make sure that they're healthy enough to donate a kidney. Mm -hmm. They're going to get your weight, your BMI, check, check, you're good. But then there's a laundry list of other things that they're going to check. They're going to check your blood work. They're going to check your medical history. They're going to check your diet. They're going to check all of these things even after you make the weight, you know, parameter. So they need to check all of those things to make sure you're healthy enough to donate a kidney. Therefore, it's clear that there are many other things involved in health than just that weight. So why are we judging Saying, oh, you're overweight, you're unhealthy. Right. So, it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. So, we did want to talk about the, so we have, like, the fat activists on one side, and then there was a YouTube channel that he did speak to, um, uh, Dermeister, if I'm pronouncing yes, that. That's his name. Okay. Um, apparently, this channel almost poked fun at the fat acceptance movement so connor wanted to talk to him as well because he's kind of on the other end of the spectrum but anyways i went to his channel i wanted to check out his content and it's primarily like cringe compilations so he doesn't really insert much of his own like voiceover to it it's just he's taken other people's videos and compiled them Mm -hmm. but i did notice at the end of one of his videos he did put like a short little clip saying like obesity increases your chance of this this and this this is how you can reduce obesity so a little bit of nutrition at the end but yeah it was kind of it was kind of interesting uh but in one of his videos he mentions you know this is me kind of reinventing my channel uh youtube deleted my other content i don't know what his other content was like it wasn't there so youtube deleted him maybe like a couple months ago so that's probably not a good sign that i just i don't like those (laughs) those compilations were just something else like i feel like and he did it intentionally because it even says in a documentary he's making fun of bad acceptance uh yes Yes. people yes he said it and then like in the interview himself like he comes across differently i'm just kind of like yes it was definitely a, a certain narrative that, you know, they're going after, which that's what everyone does. Everyone writes their own narrative. Um, so 
he did try to speak to both sides, but obviously the interviews with those who are part of the acceptance movement uh, were not quite as friendly on the interviews and whatnot. I did want to touch on, there was a, there was a clip that was kind of placed in the documentary that did catch my attention. And it was this woman talking about thin privilege and Mm -hmm. she's basically saying, you know, uh, thin people don't realize the things that those of us who are overweight and obese have to think about things like sitting in a restaurant chair, things like sitting in a booth where the table doesn't push out, thinking about, can I go skydiving? Thinking about, uh, do I have to buy an extra plate, Mm -hmm. plane ticket? And that's a very good point. It's a very good point, but it just, it, I feel my opinion, it degrades all the work that we put into. I think about what I'm going to eat. I plan my meals. I think about, you know, what I'm going to do to improve my health. And again, that's my opinion. I'm definitely biased with that, but it's not easy. You Mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of thought that goes behind, okay, what workouts am I going to do to help improve my health? What foods am I going to do? Where am I going to eat for dinner without ruining, you know, it's not a, it's not a free for all. Like we don't just wake up in the morning and do whatever we want and stay thin. Yes, there are people who are like that, but again, it doesn't mean they're healthy but I put a lot of effort into my health and I felt like she didn't know that. So I don't know. There's a lot of, we can debate this all day long. Of course. As sooner or later, I mean, someone is always going to be opinionated against us. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, Mm -hmm. that's just, long story short that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. like i do agree that um yes we do have that privilege of not being able to think about the extra ticket because i don't want to pay for an extra ticket so I would never yeah and like i don't want to like why do i have to think about um like making sure this chair is large enough i have never ever had to think that yeah and i can't even put myself in that place to really talk about it. Right. So she brings up that, that good point. So she has a point in her argument and you have a point in yours. It's just, just, yeah. I feel like opinion and experience and. Right. And everyone grew up differently. So not everyone grew up thinking about food and like you and me didn't grow up the same. And yet like even everyone, it's different. Let me just say yeah. that. Long story short. And obesity, like fat itself, should not be directed. It's just, I feel like the system, the health system in itself should be directed in how to improve healthiness. Yeah. Not Healthy how to. playing field. Yes. And how basically focus on health mm-hmm. and not focus on how do we get these people to lose weight. That's just yeah. not the same thing. Exactly. So. It's it's a very touchy subject. Right. Extremely touchy. And someone in this uh, a clip that he inserted said, you know, you can look at an obese person and you form a judgment, but you don't know if they just lost a family member. 
You don't know if they just got a really crappy medical diagnosis. You don't know if they just lost a hundred pounds. Right. You don't know. You're just looking at them and you're forming your opinion. And that's what we do. We form first impressions to anyone. But sometimes those first impressions can be very dangerous. So touchy, touchy subject. Um, I will go for it. No, I was just saying, with that being said, um, I do want to point out really quickly, not quickly, but the director himself, um, they did point out, one of the fat activists pointed out that it was not entirely his story to tell, mm-hmm. which I, to a certain degree, I believe that as well. I do not think it was his story to tell. Yes, I do believe in free speech. I feel like he should be entitled to think about it, but I feel like he shouldn't have been the one to create this documentary. We haven't exactly heard the voice come from a female, like obese or overweight, like they don't even have to be that, and one who's a different race talk about this subject. I mean... That's just the one thing that infuriates me when I talk about anything like weight-wise and diet-wise is is it always involves a thin white male. (laughs) I mean... They're always there somehow, yeah. I mean, it's that idea, like, just having him in place already instills that idea of this person already has privilege. He might have grown up poor. He might have done, like... His life could have been shitty, but just the idea, and we're humans, we're going to form that society, yeah, yeah, society and our environment is going to push us to, like, see him as a privileged individual. Mm -hmm. So if we see, if we, if this documentary had been created by someone else that did not look like him, or even had similar experience to him, I feel like this documentary would have been better created and perceived a little bit differently. I will agree. It would be perceived entirely differently, (laughs) but it's also like just because someone's a white man, does that mean that he can't produce a good documentary too? Right. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like, like society already like instilled in us that he does have that privilege and, and People it's, come in with these perceived notions before they even watch it. That's right, right, and like you can already tell from like the picture of the movie, he made himself obese. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, why? And then if you go look at like some of the comments, like I was looking at, um, I saw the trailer posted somewhere, and there are people in the comments saying like, "How the heck can you promote obesity? This is ridiculous," and it's like. Did you even read it? Like, did you even watch no. the trailer? They just saw, like, an obese person on uh-huh. a title called Fatopia, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this person's promoting obesity. So they jumped to conclusions super quick. Right. So it's just, I was I was entertained. I just, <laughs> oh, we all. <laughs> I will say, um, I'm glad you brought that up, because I feel like people who even listen or watch this, like episode in itself are probably gonna put together this preconceived oh, yeah. like notion oh, yeah. that like we're completely 
fuckheads that don't know what we're talking about. So I just like I hope the people that listen it if you guys listen like this far, thank you. I commend you. <laughs> Um, because it is a heavy topic. I hope you listen to the actual whole episode in full before you form your own thoughts and opinions. That's all I'm going to say because our attention spans are not always the longest. Correct. And one more kind of closing thought that I wish was included in this documentary was actually the obese male's perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. The only people that were included were women. Mm -hmm. And as a woman, I believe that, you know, the most obnoxious clips on the internet were chosen, the most easy to pick apart and say, oh, all fat acceptance people think this. It makes women look hysterical. Right. It makes us look like we're just crazy we're just a film of emotions that we don't yeah, know exactly, what, exactly. Like, opinion from science I don't yes know. it definitely makes women look way too emotional and that bothered me but i can get over it but i do wish that the perspective of an obese man was included as well and it would have been nice to have the perspective of maybe some obese people who made the change who mm-hmm. could defend the health side of things a little bit more versus just the doctor's opinion and you know his opinion and people who right. have probably been thin most of their lives mm-hmm. it would have been nice to hear the perspective of someone who did go through that shift right and i feel like this documentary should have been i feel like he didn't give enough time for this documentary to be created because for a subject like this i feel like it's going to take a little bit more time and a little bit more research, a little bit more people that's willing to talk to you. But we also don't know budget. We don't know his financial situation. There's a lot of things we don't know either about the behind the scenes that went into making this final product. Like this topic does need to be addressed. Right. But I do fear that like people will watch this and be so triggered that it could lead to suicide. And then be like, I have no other choice now and just kill themselves. Because you do not know what is going through someone's head. And I just feel like you could have done it better. There's definitely no compassion. No. No compassion. There's no emotion. It's no. all almost scare tactics. And like fancy and- back. Yeah. Fancy background music, like, I do appreciate that he tried to reach out to people, and I wish more of that acceptance to people. I do, too. I think it doesn't make their movement look good that they didn't reach out to him. Because in my eyes, like, if something is your movement and, like, you're a huge activist... You'll fucking talk to them. Exactly. You will defend it until the day you die. Like, you will... Like, this is your thing, you know? And the right. they're just like, no, fuck you. Like, that makes you look, like, kind of unprofessional. Yeah. It makes you look like you're not willing to do what it takes to get your point across. You just right. want to talk to your audience. So. Right. And that's frustrating. I wish that's I really, I feel like it would it could have given him a better perspective on it right. as well. Because maybe the documentary took the turn it did because he couldn't talk to them. 
I really think that's part of the reason that happened. And it maybe made him become biased because of how they responded to him. Right. It, it, it could be many different things. And I don't know how long the documentary took to make, but it's only an hour and seven minutes long. I feel. So. I think I was reading somewhere that like it only took like maybe two to three years, and I still feel like that's not long enough. I feel like that's a long time. I feel like that's not long enough. Like a lot of good documentaries and everything takes like five. I'm not putting a specific timeline, but it takes them a lot longer. And like, yeah. granted, they do have a better support, but I feel like he was a lot of a one man team, which I mean, it's part of the problem. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you guys. Feel free to watch the documentary. Yeah. Let us know about it. Let us also know about Kerbo. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, and please leave a comment below. Mm-hmm. Message us or DM us or anything. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to hear um, other opinions on things. And um, yeah, let us know. But let's have, you know, healthy debates about things. Right. Let's not add to the internet like hate talk or shame that's going on. After this heavy topic, <laughs> I have a joke for you. What you got for me? So, what happened? What happened after an explosion at a French cheese factory? French cheese. An explosion oh. at a French cheese. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. All that was left was debris. Debris <laughs> <laughs> cheese. That's good. That's a good one. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you in the next one. We promise it won't be quite as heavy topics. No, no. But let us know, guys. Let so. us know what you think. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe so you can join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Five stars, no less. On whatever platform you're listening to. Or send us an email at keepingitjuicypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any topics you'd like for us to touch upon, shoot us an email. Until next time, don't do anything that I wouldn't do. So, Kobo isn't like Weight Watchers programs. As we all know, Weight Watchers assign specific points towards certain types of foods and whatnot. Kobo actually relies on a whole different system. It requires... It relies on green, orange, and yellow. No. (laughs) What's wrong with you? I have no idea. This is beyond me right now. (laughs) Like, this is the worst I fucked up in all of it. (laughs) What's going on? What's the problem? Can, can Can I speak some? Cool beans. I need to cook and shower and get and wash your damn shoes and get my life together while Christian plays video games.
yeah, I need to do my homework and leave in about 20 minutes. So I gotta go. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>